Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Title for today, though, is The Perfect Race. The Perfect Race. Hebrews 12, 2. And have you ever experienced a perfect race? Some of you run, swim, bike, rowing, dragon boat racing, whatever you're doing. I saw that in the paper today out of Delaware. You ever experienced that perfect race where, where you just, everything came together? I remember some, in, in some perfect races, swimming, breaking some records, running, defeating our arch rivals, big rivals, just a race coming together. And I remember what it, what it was like. I remember some of mine where it just all came together for myself, for the team. I found a new gear. You find that new gear, like adrenaline, something happens, and it's just like that perfect race. And, and I just remember going beyond what I ever thought I could do, just out of the blue. It was almost like something was carrying me along. And you may have experienced that in a game. It doesn't have to be a race. It could be a game of some kind. But something happens, and you just like feel carried along, and you experience that perfect race. Well, spiritually, as you know, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we are all in a race. We're in a spiritual race, and someone is carrying us along, and that's what we're going to focus on today, how to run this perfect race. Now, we're, we're in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, we talked about the narrow road, and if you were here early enough, you saw some of the video from Dangerous Journey, Pilgrim's Progress, the narrow road, and then we st- jumped over to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, which we're focusing on for a few weeks here, and it's how to stay on the narrow road. Now, last week we looked at Hebrews 12.1, and in Hebrews 12.1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you weren't here for that, get the CD, listen to the podcast, because it all kind of works together here. But we talked about coach, coaching tips for staying on the narrow road. And we talked about the first one was what? Anybody remember the first coaching tip? Take off the sweats. Take off the sweats. Whatever hinders, sin so easily entangles. We talked about that. The second coaching tip was don't stop. Okay, you guys already forget these things. I, I thought it was in, in your memory forever. All right, so anyway, uh, don't stop. And we talked about persevering. Remember the whole persevering story and, and how our race is in Greek, agon, from agony. We talked about that. And the race marked out for us. And the third coaching tip today follows this one. It's the most important of all. It's don't look at others. Don't look at their races. Remember, we talked about that. But it tells us who to look at. And before we do this, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for your mercy and grace bringing us here today. And we pray that your word now would speak to us. Your spirit would take your word and speak to us. And not just to our minds, but to our hearts. Really, not just something we would know, but something that would change our lives. Change our hearts. Help us to take another step in this race that we're on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we did verse 1, Hebrews 12, 1, and now we come to the next coaching thing where it says, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'll throw in verse 4 because it's a good one. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Boy, so, so much good stuff there. So the first, first two, keep your eyes on the coach. And who is our coach? Jesus. We take off everything that hinders the sweats, whether it's good, bad, hinders, could be something good, sin, bad. Uh, don't stop persevering, the race marked out for us. And then the, the most important one is to keep our eyes on our coach, Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. When I, when I ran across country, the coach always said, never look back. Someone's behind you. You never look back. Why? Because if you look back and he's gaining on you, it's going to psych you out. And if you look back and you're, you're pulling away, you're going to get overconfident. And if you look back, sometimes you're going to trip and fall on your face, and I've seen it happen. Uh, you know, never look back. We, he always says, look at the finish line. Look at me. Look at the coach. He's at the, got a stopwatch at the finish line. Focus on the coach and the finish line. You never look back. He ground that into our heads. And, and Philippians 4, 13 to 14 says, talks about that. It says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's forgetting what's behind. We focus on what's ahead. That's, that's a great verse, isn't it? That's a whole other sermon. But anyway, as we get closer to that finish line, too, a lot of you experience this in our spiritual walk. As we get closer to that finish line, when we would run, we would go faster. Why? Because we had hope. Because we could see the finish line. Because, and we would have, um, we would, the adrenaline would kick in. And we would have this surge and we'd have to kick, that finishing kick. Hopefully, the finishing kick and, and passing the, the, you know, the, our opponents right near the line. And that's the same thing spiritually. Is our, should be our whole focus. And we never look back, but we also listen to the coach. Listening to the coach, not the crowd. I was at a game yesterday, a couple games with, with some of the girls, indoor soccer games. And we, the parents are all on one side, and the coach and the teams are on the other side, and the kids are playing behind this glass. There's this, this big glass wall, so the ball can't hit you. That's what they tell you. But really, so the parents can't yell at the kids, right? And, but it didn't matter. I'm standing next to these guys, and, and they're screaming and screaming through the glass. And, and I know the kids can't hear them. A couple weeks ago, one of the dads actually climbed up on top of the railing and yelled over the netting at the referee, started screaming. It was wonderful. So... Uh, you know, you know those dance moms show? They should have soccer parents, you know, soccer moms or soccer dads. That would be a much more realistic show. Uh, but anyway, but, he, but the, these, first of all, I turned to one of the dads and said, do they realize that the kids can't hear them? And even if they did, they still can't hear them. You know, they don't listen to their parents. But, but parents are all yelling something different. Telling them, and there's like 20 parents yelling at games to the kids. And they're all yelling something different. And most of them have never even played soccer, you know? They don't even know what they're talking about, you know? And I'm like, it's crazy. And, 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 but the, the key is, and I said to one of my kids one time, did you hear what I said? No, I didn't even hear it. You said something? You know, I gave you really good advice. You didn't hear no, I didn't even hear you. Yeah, but that's good. They should be listening to who? The coach. And life is like that, isn't it? There's a lot of voices trying to tell us what to do constantly. And we have to listen to one voice. Coach Jesus, 
What does his word tell us? What is, he, what is his spirit talking to us? Now, godly advice is a whole other thing. You know, that's, you know, we give, help each other with godly advice. But, but it's not the world's voices. It's not all those other voices. We have, to, we have to listen to the coach. And so many times we don't. We take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. And what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus? Can anybody remember Peter? <laughs> you know, Peter walking on the water. Everything's going great. And as soon as he started looking at the wind and the waves... He sunk, and that's what happens to us too, doesn't it? As soon as we take our eyes off of Coach Jesus, we start to sink. And it says, take, uh, back to Hebrews 12 too, he says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The author and perfecter of our faith. And I hit this, I was like, whoa. The author, first of all, he saved us in the first place. He's the author. He wrote the book. He saved us in the first place. But then it says he's the perfecter of our faith. He knows exactly what it will take to perfect us, to sanctify us, to complete us. Anybody completed here? Don't raise your hand. You'll be in heaven in about two seconds if you think you're completed, right? He's... He's constantly perfecting us. And how does God perfect us? How does our Father God perfect us through his Son, Jesus Christ? I'll give you a hint. You're not going to like it. <laughs> Woo, here we go. All right. You're going to wish you weren't here today. Hebrews 2. Back up to Hebrews 2. We're in 12. We'll just go back a few chapters here. Hebrews 2.10. And we're going to see the words author and perfect. Again, they're connected all throughout Hebrews. They're always connected. Hebrews 2.10, in bringing many sons to glory, that's us, glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. The, here, see that again? The author of their salvation, when we saw that in Hebrews 12.2, Perfect through suffering. Through suffering. Jesus Christ is our perfecter. We saw that back ahead in Hebrews 12. He is our perfecter, but he had to be made perfect first. And how was he made perfect? Through suffering. Now, we're not talking about moral perfection. We already know Jesus, the God man, was perfect. He never sinned. He didn't have to become perfect. He was perfect. He was born perfect, and he ended up perfect, and he's perfect. No, no sin. But it's not talking about sin here. He's talking about completion. He's talking about completion here. He completed God's purpose for his life. His purpose for his life, and when did he complete that, really? On the cross and through the resurrection. That's when he completed God's purpose for his life, he came to die on the cross for us. In fact, in Hebrews 5, let's just go forward to Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. I think I have it behind me too, but if you want to turn, you can. Verse 8 says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who believe on him. Once again, once made perfect, once he completed his perfect, his purpose on the cross, mission accomplished, he was able to bring us salvation by putting our faith in Jesus Christ now. But he was, um, he, it, was on the, it was Jesus on the cross suffered for us, and that was his perfection. That was his perfecting of his purpose, his completion. Jesus' life was also, and this is important for us, it wasn't only on the cross that Jesus suffered. It wasn't just there. Did you know that? 
Jesus also suffered another time, a lot of times. Look at, back to Hebrews chapter 2. Now follow me on this. This is wild. Hebrews chapter 2, we know he suffered on the cross, but there's another big suffering going on that perfected him. Hebrews 2 verse 10, I'll just read the second part. It was fitting that God should make the, the author of the salvation perfect through suffering. Now, now let's look ahead to verse 18 where it says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Did you realize that? That part of Jesus' suffering was his temptation. Well, first of all, his suffering had to be coming down to the planet Earth, leaving heaven and coming here. That would be like leaving Disney World and going to the garbage pit. You know what I mean? Coming here to this polluted, sin-polluted, horrendous... We can't imagine it because we've never been in heaven. But if we were in heaven for one second, do you think we'd want to come back here? But not only did Jesus leave heaven and come to this polluted earth, but he had to experience the temptation. Temptation. We don't, in the desert, he was tempted by the devil, but not just there, but many, many times. But it, the Bible teaches that in the desert and all throughout his life, Jesus was, went through temptation. His life was also perfected and completed through temptation. When he was, when he, whenever he was tempted, he suffered. He suffered through that. Every day, in every way, Jesus suffered the same temptations that we face, and that was suffering for him. No one likes temptation. We hate, if we're, uh, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we start to grow spiritually, it's horrible to be tempted. It's, why am I still having to deal with this? All these terrible thoughts. If you saw the video, Dangerous Journey, Pilgrim walking along this dark path and all the horrible attacks he was going through. It, it's horrible. It's painful, isn't it? And we're like, why am I still dealing with this? But God uses it to perfect us. One of God's main tools to refine us, to test us, and to grow us spiritually is temptation. That's one of his main tools. And the key is, and isn't that, isn't that I bet it's eye-opening for a lot of us here. That's what God uses. And the key is, through this time, is to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep our eyes on our coach, Jesus. This is the whole point of the the author and perfecter. Keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter. This is all part of the picture from Hebrews here, is to keep our eyes on Jesus because he can help us. He's been through it. We can depend on him through this time. He's our coach, coaching us through the temptation time. Why? Because he's been through it. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse 12, says this. 12 through, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, 14. Hebrews 4, 14 says this. With... With this, with this verse talks about how we can depend on Jesus here. It says this. Yeah, thank you. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. And this is where it gets good. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Keep the faith. Why? Because our coach knows exactly what we're going through. He's already run this race. He's finished this marathon. He did it perfectly, world record. 
And we, and, and we have to, he, he knows. And so because of that, we can come to his Father's throne and ask for mercy and grace. Mercy is the forgiveness. Grace is to help us not to do it again. And it doesn't matter how bad we're messed up, how many times we do the same sin, how many times we fall on our face. It doesn't matter. We still are encouraged, commanded, and it's good, important for our growth to keep coming to that throne of grace and ask for mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. I must pray that a thousand times a day. I just have two words, mercy and grace. Mercy, God, I don't know how much of a mess I just made, what I just did, but I'm asking for your mercy here, and I need your grace to, to, to keep going, to not do it again, and to keep going, or to, to, to bring something good out of this. Mercy and grace. That mercy and grace. And God's there to give us that mercy and grace. 1992 Olympics. Some of you might remember this. Derek Redmond was a runner from Great Britain, running the 400 meters. Now, he didn't get to run in the 1988 Olympics because he hurt, got hurt. So he wasn't able to run the marathon. Uh, he was a 400-meter runner uh, one time around the track. He wasn't able to run in 1988. He got hurt. He battled for four more years to run in the Olympics. He gets to the Olympics, and he gets to the semis. a very good runner. Gets to the semis, and he just starts running, and he pulls a muscle. He's done. You pull a muscle, you are done. If you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in. You are not going to go any further. He pulls the muscle, collapses on the track. Some of you may have seen this when it happened or remember when it, when it happened. Collapses on the track. Looks like he's praying for a, a, a little bit there, and then he starts to cry. He gets up. And he staggers around the track. Google it if you get a chance. It's just powerful video. And he's staggering around the track. Tears running down his face. Derek Redmond. Tears streaming down his face. And he comes around the last curve. Toward the finish line. And this crazy man jumps out of the stands. It was his dad. Runs up to him. Puts his arm around him. And basically carries him to the finish line. Powerful. You know why it's powerful? Because it's a picture of our life. Of our father. doesn't matter how hurt we are, how much pain we're in. We can ask for mercy and grace. It doesn't matter how damaged our life is. It doesn't matter what kind of mess we've made of it. We can still ask for that mercy and grace. And he's right there, ready to carry us, ready to help us to that finish line. And it's not just the Father there, but we have Coach Jesus at the finish line coaching us every step of the way. And we have the Holy Spirit's power. A lot of times we forget about the Holy, Holy Spirit's power that we have that's, that's, that's empowering us. 
Remember I said running that perfect race sometimes? You just felt something carrying you? And you know what I'm talking about if you've ever experienced it? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That, that power that we have. It, you, know, you know athletes take HGH. Well, we have HGH too. It's called Holy Ghost Help. All right? We're not taking steroids. We're taking spirit, spiritoids, right? And we, uh, we have that. We have it. It's power that you can't understand. People go through things and eggs what they're going through. It's unbelievable. But, but we have the Holy Somehow that grace helps us accomplish something we never thought humanly possible. How is God perfecting us today? What is he using in our life to perfect us? Last week, we, two weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews 12.7, and we saw that God uses what? Hebrews 12.7. Go back to Hebrews there. 12.7. What does God use? Discipline. He uses discipline in our life. 12.7 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? Anybody ever go through hardship? <laughs> That's God's discipline. And, and it's not, when we talk about discipline, you always think I'm getting spanked or hit on the hand with rulers or something like that, right? That, that's not, God's discipline could be that, but, but it's also more than that. It's when he pushes us further and harder, like a coach pushes, pushes us harder and more to try to develop our spiritual muscle, to grow us, to mature us, to complete our faith. And, and that's what happens with God. He's, he's constantly trying to push us further, to grow us. And he uses hardship. He uses hard times. He uses that to wake us up or to make us dependent on him. Because what happens when things are going well on our own? We don't need God. It's not until he allows us to go through a hard time that we realize our need for him. It was there all along, but now we realize it. Right? And we depend on his strength. And, and I do it with my own kids. I, was, I take walks with my kids a lot. I'll give you a few lessons from a walk we recently took. We just got, before it snowed, I was doing a couple of walks. It got nice, and I said, hey, kids, you want to go to the creek? And yeah, the creek. You know, they knew that means a lot of fun. Now, it is fun, but that's not why I just take them to the creek. I take them to the creek for fun, but I also do it because we have to walk a mile there and a mile back, right? And it's a great workout. They get in shape, and they run, and they bike, and they get into shape, and they're doing it for fun. I'm doing it for fun, but I'm also trying to get them into shape. And God does the same thing with us, doesn't he, on our spiritual walk. There's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of tiring times, and God is developing our spiritual muscle. Uh, baby D, we call our baby D. Danielle, she's three, three and a half. And she's, I'm like, you don't have to use a stroller anymore. <laughs> for the first time in 20 years, I don't have a stroller to push, you know, on the walk. She goes, no stroller, yay! She's all excited, and she goes, I get the walk. I go, you get the walk. And so she, they walk, she has to run to keep up with everybody. And she had her little booties on, and, and, and she's running in these boots, and she, got, she made it about uh, half a mile, and she just hit the wall, right? You know, running in these boots. And, and I said, why are you wearing boots? Uh, mommy put them on me. I said, no more boots, you know, sneakers. And, uh, and so she was wiped out. I picked her up. I carried her. And the rest of the way. That's my test, right? So then, uh, uh, then the next time we did it, I made sure she had sneakers on, her little sneakers. And this time she made three quarters of a mile. She ran that whole way. And I was really excited. You know, she ran three quarters of a mile. Then I picked her up, carried the rest, the, the, you know, the rest of the way home, back. By the end of the summer, by summertime, she'll be going the whole way. She'll be doing it. And it's the same with God, isn't it? He knows how far we can go. 
He knows when to make us walk, when to make us run, and when to pick us up and carry us. He knows. Andrew, and I'm using the little ones because they're not here. I can pick on them. But uh, Andrew, he's four, almost five. He can run the whole way, no problem. How do I know? Because all last year he ran the whole mile and a half, whatever it was. He, he could do the whole thing. But he doesn't always want to. But he needs to because he needs to stay in shape. But he doesn't always want to. He could do it easy, but he doesn't always want to. Sometimes he gives me an attitude. And last time we went for a walk, he was giving me an attitude. He's fighting me tooth and nail. I don't want to do this. He's dropping far behind. And then he'd catch up. And he's just giving I don't want just complaining. I just ignore him. I ignore him. I don't say anything. You ever feel like that with God? We're whining and we're not getting any response. You know why? Because he don't want to hear it. He doesn't mind asking for help, but you don't want to hear whining. The same old complaining, whining spirit. Because what's God trying to do? He's trying to grow us. And then, then Andrew's further behind and he's, he's, he's you know, and then, I, then I, for that, I said, if you don't do this with me, when we get home, everybody else is going to go in the house and you're going to go another mile with me. And I will do it. I've done it before. And he knows I'll do it. Does God ever have to put us through the same lesson over and over and over again? Nobody here, but you might know someone like that. And, but then I pointed something out to Andrew. I said, Andrew, look up ahead. Where is everybody? Oh, they're way up there. I go, yeah, what are they doing? And, and whenever we get to an intersection, they all stop and they wait. And they sit down, they're talking, they're having fun, they're resting. I said, Andrew, don't you get it? If you would just run up ahead with the rest of them... You could be sitting down right now, resting and recuperating, catching your breath. But because you won't do what I'm asking you to do, it's drudgery for you. And he finally got it. And he ran ahead, he started running ahead, and every time he'd be there sitting and he'd be all rested, and then he'd be ready for the next sprint. But isn't that the truth? God gives us breaks. It doesn't have to be drudgery. If we have that right spirit. And, and not only that, if we have the right attitude... There's a lot of fun in it, too. You know why? Because we stop at have the secret island we stop at, you know, halfway through the walk, and they throw rocks, and we feed the fish, and we catch fish, and we do all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, we have a good time. And at the end of the walk, if they have a good attitude, they get ice pops. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but to the kids, it's a big deal. And, if they, and, and sometimes when they're really good, not only do we get ice pops, we, t- we keep going. We walk all the way to Wawa, and we go to Wawa, and then it's really big, t- big fun, you know? And, but that's what God does with us. When we have the right attitude, it is fun walking with him, and, and he does give us these times of joy. And there's the big reward at the end if we have the right attitude and the right spirit. It's just like our walk with God. But we have to be willing to go through his discipline. We also have talked about a lot, not only does he use, perfect us through discipline, but he also uses suffering. James 1, 2 to 4. If you don't have this memorized by now, right? And what do we call this here? Our PJs? Anybody here for James? James? What's that? Emily, our, <laughs> thank you. Our PJs, we call it our personal joy. Something in our life that is work, maturing us. And I talked about Kim was Emily at the time. Emily's an angel now. But at the time, three, four years ago, she was Kim's pure joy. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. The, the hair and the beaters. Anyway, it's a whole other thing. But uh, 
But the, the Emily, he, James 1, 2 to 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking any good thing. God uses, did I mess that up? I have so many verses that are close, sometimes I blur them. But anyway, perseverance will finish its work. It completes us. Our trials, our personal joys, when we call it our PJs, what's our PJ? What's that person or thing in our life that is, is our pure joy? It's really a pain, you know, it's, it's really a PB, pain in the butt, right? But I said it's a PJ, too, because it's creating pure joy for us. It's doing something in our life. It's accomplishing something in our life. And what, what is our PJ? That's completing us, that's working, that, that is our race, our agon, our agony that's, that's marked out for us. Maybe God is using, maybe our suffering is temptation. And maybe you came in today and you saw your temptation, whatever it is, we all have plenty, as a curse. Something to deny and something to fight and try to not face. And, and, and maybe you realize today that it's not God's curse, it's God's perfecting tool. Because every time we experience this temptation, even when we fall to it, what do we constantly do? What should we do? Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. If something is bringing us to our knees, to God's throne asking for mercy and grace, it's not a bad thing. We may not like it, but it's not a bad thing. That's God, what God is using to perfect us. That's his refiner's fire. But every time we give in to sin... Or every time we give up, anybody ever give up? <laughs> Don't raise your hands. But every time we give up or every time we give in to sin, what are we doing? We are slowing down God's perfecting purpose in our life. You get that? Every time we backtrack, every time we backslide, every time we give in to that sin, every time we throw up our hands and decide to take a vacation spiritually, when we do that, we are, we are slowing down God's perfecting purpose in our life. But instead of, instead of doing that, instead of facing the battle, instead of facing the pain, which is what God is trying to get us to do, instead of growing from it, we often self-medicate. The pain, instead of growing from the pain, we self-medicate ourselves. And I'm not just talking about alcohol or drugs, although that's something we can use. It could be anything. It could be food. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be sex. It could be anything that we use to try to feel better, to make the pain go away and feel better. And when we do that, we hurt our growth. And, and, and we, we, really, that's what sin is, right? Sin is trying to meet our needs apart from God. Adam and Eve, they tried to meet their needs apart from God. All throughout the Bible, meeting our needs apart from God. And that's what self-medicating is. We're trying to meet a need. It's a legitimate need. We have pain, but we try to meet it apart from God's will. And whatever it is, that is sin. That's something that God doesn't want for us. That's something that hurts us. Every time we do that, we go on TV and we surf through the channels. We go on the com- computer and we do the internet survey. Whatever it is that we turn to to feel better about ourselves, that, that is keeping us from growing God's purpose, growing in his purpose. Or we give in to fear and discouragement. I know what you're saying. Wait, wait, that's sin? Is fear and discouragement sin? 
Who was here for Joshua many, many years ago? A couple hands out there. Remember Joshua 1, 8 to 9? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Do not be... Oh, I'm sorry. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. That sounds like a command. So if we are discouraged or terrified, what is that? That's sin. Doesn't mean it's wrong to feel that. No, it's not wrong to feel discouragement. It's not wrong to feel fear. You can't help what we feel. But it's wrong to give in to them. See, it's not wrong to feel discouragement or, or fear, but when we allow fear or discouragement to keep us from moving forward spiritually, from, a, from living out God's will in our life, then it becomes sin. And that's even a form of self-medication, isn't it? When we get discouraged and self-pity, and, and that's, that's part of it. If we're discouraged, we have the wrong focus. What did Jesus say? What did God say? For I am with you wherever you go. If we have the wrong focus. We're focusing not on God's purpose. We're focusing on outward circumstances, right? If we give into that fear and discouragement, we're focusing on outward circumstances instead of what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. Does that ring a bell with anybody? <laughs> I know when I'm discouraged, it's because I'm focusing on, on the circumstance and not what is God trying to do through this circumstance. When I get angry, when I get resentful, when I get bitter, it's because I'm focusing on who's blocking me or something bad happened in my life instead of what's God trying to do through this. He, he allows struggles to drive us to his Father on the throne and ask for mercy and grace. And if we stay in that close relationship with God, if we stay in that, we will have a supernatural joy. That's what we've been talking about with the Sermon on the Mount, right? The whole Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are, blessed are, happy are thou. It's all about, we will have supernatural joy and peace no matter what is going on all around us in our life. No matter what's going on, we can still have that supernatural joy, that supernatural peace. We're we're commanded to have that if we keep that close relationship, if we're in that right relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the key is to focus on Coach Jesus. Back to the passage here. Focusing on Coach Jesus and the finish line, which is heaven. And we're in Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to look ahead to a couple of verses to show you where the finish line is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, where he talks about getting to heaven here. And, and, and he says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Jesus. We'll get up to the blood next week when we do the cross part. But, but look at verse 23. You have come to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. And we're coming around full circle. Remember 
remember the race, the author and perfecter of our faith, how he uses suffering and temptation and struggles and the, the temptations to perfect us, how Jesus is perfecting us. But someday, we are not going to be, be, be being perfected anymore. We are going to be perfect. We're going to be perfect when, when you become a, a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When, 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 if you are a Christian, if you've taken that step, there was a time in your life when we said, God, I believe that my sin has separated me from you. I cannot get to you, God. I cannot get to heaven someday. I'm totally separated because of my sin. But I believe your son Jesus died on a cross and took my sin upon himself. My punishment upon himself. I believe that. And I put my faith in him. My trust in Jesus Christ. I give my life to Jesus. When we take that step, you no longer have unrighteousness. You no longer have sin all over you. We are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are washed clean. And we now are under the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God sees us, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. His righteousness. We have his righteousness. That's what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, that's our, that, do it. Our position in Jesus Christ is righteousness. But practical righteousness is a whole other matter. Our position is under Christ, but practically, we don't feel very righteous some days, do we? We don't feel righteous at all some days. Because we are messing up, we're tempted, we're struggling, we're fighting, we're battling. And, and we, 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 it's a very painful process. You know why? Because the perfecting is in progress right now. If we're still breathing, guess what? We're still being perfected. It's in progress. And it's so easy to forget what God has done in our life. I was watching videos with the kids. We, they, sometimes I like to watch the old videos. And we were watching one from a couple years ago, just two years ago. And we're watching it, and it was shocking how much the kids have grown in two years. Kim gets sad. She's upset, right? I'm okay. They're not in diapers anymore. But anyway, the, uh, had enough of that. But... But it's, it's shocking to see them grow so much. It's just, it's amazing to see them grow. I was kidding Josh. I was like, Josh, look at you, look at you. you know, before, you know, he hit puberty and grow, he was just this little squirt, you know. I'm like, look at, look at you guys. And it's, two years is dramatic. You forget how much they grow and what they look like. And we do the same thing spiritually, don't we? I talk to some of you, like, oh, I'm just terrible i'm a horrible mind listen i remember what you were like when you came to this church you were really terrible no i'm kidding you were horrible no no i remind people not to be mean but to be nice to say look what you look where you were before you put your faith in christ look where you were just a couple years ago there's been a dramatic change in you they're like oh yeah you're right i forgot all about that because we're so focused in the trenches, we're so focused about today, we forget about what God has done. He's growing us. And if you're here, he's perfecting us. It's a painful process. And sometimes we get discouraged. But remember that. And, and remember that on earth, it's all about progress, not perfection. 
The perfection doesn't come until we get to heaven. That's when the perfecting happens. That's when we can be perfectionists, all right? Because we will be perfect. We will finally be made perfect in heaven. That's when there'll be no more sins. And that, that verse, I've been locked on this, that little verse there uh, from Hebrews eleven twenty three for like a couple weeks now. It's, I'm just stuck there. The spirits of righteous men made perfect. I'm righteous because of Jesus Christ, not because of what I do. But I'm being made perfect. He's perfecting me. And someday I'm going to be perfect. But this perfecting process is painful. And it's what we, we have to go through. But there's a, there's a finish line. And keep our eyes on Coach Jesus. And if you're here today, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Before we can be, get to heaven someday to be perfected completely, we have to take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ first. Have you taken on his righteousness? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ Jesus? Are you under his righteousness? Have, has your name been written in heaven? Have you been, are you in the church of the firstborn? Have you been born again? Is your name written in heaven? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your name's written. Has your name ever been written in the book of life in heaven? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you did it in your head one day, you raised your hand one day, but it's not real. You know it's not real because there's never been a change. The Holy Spirit's never done a work in your life. Maybe it was just in your head, but not in your heart. But today is the day you sense God calling you to take the righteousness of Christ. To come to the foot of the cross, just like Pilgrim in the video, to come to the foot of the cross and to lay the burden down. Right where you're sitting, say, God, I come to the cross and I want to put my burden down. The sin, I want to repent of that sin. All the times in my life I've tried to meet my needs my way instead of your way. I've been disobedient to you. I repent of that. I ask forgiveness of that. I want to lay the burden down. the mess I've made of my life, all the garbage in my life, I lay that burden at the cross. I put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who died for me, who paid for my sin, who took my punishment, I put my faith in him. And I give you my life, God. Start me on this race. Start me on this perfecting process because you have my life now. I'm going to follow you. If you've prayed that prayer,
Or if you do pray that prayer, then something amazing has happened inside of you and you're going to experience it if it's for real. If in your heart you put your faith in Jesus, his Holy Spirit is now inside of you. And he's going to change you in ways you never thought possible. He's going to perfect you. And you can now come to God as your father anytime. You don't have to be afraid of him. You come to him as our, as our father. And we ask for mercy and grace and mercy and grace. And you only have to remember two words with God. Mercy and grace. Let somebody know if you've taken that step. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, email, text, something. Tell someone that you came with. Let someone know so we can help you on this road and on this race to encourage you on this. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us? How is he perfecting us today? through discipline or suffering or temptation? How are we doing on our race? Are we baby D running the best we can? Then putting our arms up saying, help me Jesus. Or have you been more like Andrew? <laughs> With a bad attitude. And we just have to keep running another lap and another lap and another lap until we're broken and we finally surrender to God's perfect purpose for our life. What do we need to talk to God about this morning? Father, I pray that you would help us to surrender to your purpose, whatever that is. Your perfecting of our lives. And no matter what we're going through, whatever pain, we are in that we would turn to your mercy and grace Lord just pray your spirit would encourage us in your mercy and grace we ask that your spirit would take your word that we studied that we looked at and make it real in our lives this week today right now. Pray that in Jesus' name.